0: What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TMBaseballFan.com. Happy weekend! It is uh, Friday evening, and uh, just out on my usual nightly stroll, and it is getting colder, guys. It is like low 50s here, uh, but still in my hoodie, sweatpants, and uh, flip-flops. <laughs> so uh, the the usual attire for me when it gets below 70 degrees. But anyway, so. Uh, yeah, tonight I wanted to uh, uh, talk a little bit about um, how to build a meaningful baseball card collection. Uh, a couple nights ago, I talked about how to build a free baseball card collection. And last night, of course, we had an interview with Anthony, the Gary Carter super collector, uh, who has built uh, and is continuing to build a meaningful collection. So now, we're going to kind of turn the corner and we're going to try to help you out in building a meaningful collection, if you're not there already, and if you're not doing it. So, to um, start off with, I guess, uh, what I need to do first of all is define what a meaningful collection is. So, that answer is going to really vary based upon who it's being built for. For me, a few years ago, of course, was having uh, as many different Jose Canseco baseball cards as possible. Now for you, you might really just absolutely love the idea of building the T206 set. And you may realize that you might not ever find uh, Donis Wagner or some of those other uh, high-end cards in that set, which is fine. Um, So you might instead build... uh, know maybe like a a tobacco set of the detroit tigers or you know the philadelphia athletics i don't know you know it's a it's really kind of any parameter that you want to set for yourself Uh, when i was younger i really loved the oakland athletics of course because they were just my team i loved them and i still do but like back in their heyday uh, especially 1989 that was like the team for me so Uh, thing is, though, is I, you know, that stuff was everywhere (laughs) around that time. So I also had a love for vintage stuff. And so I started thinking, what can I build that's meaningful? I believe that uh, I was reading Mr. Mint's uh, Guide to Investing in Baseball Cards. And for some reason, y'all, like, I took to that book, like, I, (laughs) I read that so many times over and over and over again. And unfortunately, he passed away not too long ago. And also, unfortunately, I heard he was kind of not a nice guy, but, um, you know, Hey, it was a great book. I had a, I had a couple of interactions with him just through email and, you know, he seemed nice to me there. But, uh, but anyways, either way, I do remember him talking about how, uh, it's important if you're going to be, uh, working on a collection to build something meaningful. And, uh, this literally just kind of came to my, my head like about 30 seconds ago that it was even in his book. But, um, I, I know it sparked me to Want to build a collection around the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers, and uh, I don't know why I had an interest in the Brooklyn Dodgers back then as a kid. Um, maybe it's because they were from Brooklyn then, and uh, it seemed like ancient history uh, since they were uh, since the Dodgers had been in Los Angeles for you know several years at that point already. Or maybe it's because Jackie Robinson. I just don't know, um, but the first step is really to kind of define what a meaningful collection is to you. And, uh, I know that there are people that will collect cards of players only during their playing years, which is fantastic for the older players because, um, that means you don't have to worry about all the one of one silliness that's going on. (laughs) Right? So, uh, that's one thing. Um, I know some other people, they will collect players, uh, that went to a certain college or perhaps that they're from their hometown or only left-handed pitchers or, uh, you know, right fielders that, you know, came out of a certain state or something, you know, it's, uh, it really just kind of, uh, doesn't matter. Like building a meaningful collection is something that, uh, you define for yourself. And part of it, part of the fun is really kind of defining and getting specific because uh anybody can go out there and say I'm going to collect Mike Trout. And that's it. Well, you know, I mean Mike Trout has like 110 billion autographs every single year. Uh, so what about only licensed Mike Trout cards or only on card autograph Mike Trout cards or only patch Mike Trout cards? Uh you know, it just really kind of depends. I mean, it's a uh, it really is up to you and it's been my experience that that really the more specific you get with uh your parameters the more fulfilling it becomes whenever you start landing these cards and uh, i would like to warn everybody out there um don't fall into the trap of looking for cards or worse building a collection around what everybody else is interested in alone um I've uh, made purchases like that in the past, and they ultimately end up being sold because they don't mean much to me. I find out that they uh, meant a lot to me only because they meant a lot to others. And so I got rid of them because I was like, wait, I don't want to go that direction with my collection. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. So um, the fun part of interviewing other uh, collectors and super collectors, reading about them in Beckett Magazine, going on the forums and seeing their pickups and everything is fun for me because it gives us a little bit of a glimpse into other people's passions. Uh, and to kind of take that a little bit further, one of the other things I like to do is I like hearing what other people collect outside of baseball cards. So for me, um, I don't really have a whole lot of things I collect other than baseball cards, but uh, you know, I do pick up comics uh, from time to time, the key comics that are graded. Um, outside of cards and comics though, like there's nothing, you know, but Atticus, he loves, uh, Pokemon cards. He's got a nice little rock collection. Um, he loves Legos still, even as a 17 year old. So he's going to be an adult, uh, they call him AFOL, adult fan of Lego. I think is what it's called. <laughs> so I asked him the other day also, I was like, uh, Hey, when was the last time you, uh, you played with Legos? And I almost kind of took my words back. Cause it's like. Yeah, seventeen year olds don't play with Legos. They build with Legos if they're still on Legos and but now he seemed fine with it and he's like, "Yeah, oh, it was about a week ago and <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh yeah, I uh, I love Legos still too myself, you know, and I know Holly does also and uh I know Beckett will once he gets older. He's uh, uh he's doomed to be a Lego fan for sure. Um but same with Star Wars Atticus love Star Wars and um, you know, he uh, he doesn't buy a whole lot, like he's not really a whole lot of a collector as his dad is, you know, like for me personally I love having these uh pieces that I really enjoy and love. But um for him, he likes more of the activities, which uh which is great. But um anyway, so I guess I kinda of went off on a rabbit trail there. But uh all that to say, um I really do enjoy hearing the little the the little kinda subcategories that people get into. Um there's a guy named Chris on one of the, uh, forums that, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, on one of the Facebook groups that has to do with pre-war cards. Um, you know, he, he gets, um, I think he only collects like, uh, uh, players that were born in Louisiana or something like that. And they all have to be from like, uh, from like 1887 to like 1915 or something and uh if i remember correctly i could be putting words in his mouth there but i love that you know there's somebody else that uh uh posted on facebook the other day um that uh they uh, they had an entire cello box of 87 tops uh so there's like 24 packs in there right but every single pack had the barry bonds rookie on the front and Man, I don't know. I, <laughs> I get a kick out of that stuff. I love seeing the passion of everybody else and what they collect and, and all the little uh, nuances that they have and the, the parameters that they put on themselves. And uh, I don't know. I kind of, I don't know, kind of get a little, little tired looking on the forums and seeing somebody post uh, you know 300 cards that they uh, sent for grading of uh, some 16 year old kid uh, that's a Bowman Chrome refractor autograph or whatever. And, um, you know, which is fine because, you know, believe me, I know there's a lot of people that get tired of me, um, posting cards and everything too, but, uh, it's just, uh, it, it's not, it's not something I'm like super excited about. seeing these, uh, 16 year old, uh, cards of, or these, cards of 16 year old kids with autographs that are, uh, going for like crazy money. I get it. I completely understand. Let me tell you, I'd probably be much more of a fan of it if I were making money <laughs> in that sect. you know what I'm saying? But, um, uh, definitely it's something that I love seeing, uh, the other little things that people do like that Barry Bond sell a box. Um, that got my, my brain to turning. Like what, uh, you know, I wonder what I could do for a sell a box. Like I wonder, what if I could do like an A7 tops box of uh, Bo Jackson Future Stars cards or you know, A7 Fleer Cello of uh, Barry Bonds. I mean, cause I love that card. And I, yeah, ultimately I'm probably not going to uh, do anything like that, but at the very least it gets my brain to turning a little bit and seeing um, what else is out there and what people are doing. And uh, I know that uh, if you do set yourself into a deeply meaningful collection of cards like you could be on a mission for not just years but decades and i'll kind of give you an example uh and you know show you where uh these examples can be found as well you go to almost any baseball card show any large baseball card show um you always have like the vintage guys right the the dealers that have boxes and binders of cards from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and you know, undoubtedly, you will always have um, a lot of older gentlemen there sitting there, parked in front of cards with a notebook, and you know that there's just these uh, these numbers that are uh, they're handwritten from line to line, and every now and then, when you see a number once crossed off. And what they're doing is they're finding cards to complete the sets that they're cl- that they're uh, trying to complete, and I uh, always love that. I always love seeing that because I- I'm thinking like you have these people that have been uh, doing these uh, these sets for you know years and years and years, maybe even decades, if the set is rare enough or expensive enough or both. And uh, you know just the the amount of enjoyment and fulfillment they must have after they finish the set like you think uh, for instance 1955 bowman you have like this really cool set it's the it's the last one um that bowman had put out until 1989 uh, when it was the tops product um but such a cool cool uh set everything looks like it's in uh, a color television um it's horizontal and uh you know like i said 1956 There's no such thing as a Bowman. Uh, Same with 57, 58, 59, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, imagine having like this, uh, uh, this goal to really kind of complete this whole thing. And so you get, okay, I'm gonna start off with getting like a lot of 20 or 30 beaters on eBay. You get those and uh, you have your handwritten list out of one through, Whatever. I don't know if it's a 300 card set, 400 card set, whatever it is. And then uh, you cross out those 30 or 40, and then you go, okay, let's start looking for some more. And you buy a few other lots. And within a, a month or three months or whatever it is, you uh, you have a milestone. Like, huh? Interesting. I've uh, I've knocked out 100 different cards of the 1955 Bowman set. And uh, you can say, oh, and now I'm at like 20 or 25% completion. And, you know, little by little, they uh, start trickling in um, until you get to the last 50 or 100. And then they are uh, few and far between. And, uh, you know, but ultimately, if you stick with it long enough, you get to that last one. And after all that dedication, the hard work, the perseverance, the patience, (laughs) You get the last card, you find it, you buy it, it's shipped to you, or you find it from the card show or whatever, and you get to cross off the last number on the list as you slide that card in the final missing spot in the page of your binder. How cool is that? Such a fun thing to be able to have a goal of completing a set or completing anything guys like even even having a goal of uh owning a playing career days card of one of each of the first uh five hall of famers for instance the first five inductees babe ruth let me see if i can get this uh um right here so we have babe ruth honest wagner ty cobb christy matthewson and walter johnson so those are the first five inductees or you could go with the first ten they're actual baseball players i think uh, i don't know who the others are i do know there was cy young napoleon lageway tris speaker i think luke gehrig i'm not sure who the other one would be but anyway so imagine having a playing day's career card of each one of those guys and being able to proudly display them and just say you know hey I built something meaningful here, and uh, it wasn't. It didn't come from uh, uh, just uh, opening packs or uh, aimlessly participating in razes or anything like that. And, and so, let me stop there, by the way, because I think a lot of you all might not know what a raz is. Um, I didn't up until a few years ago myself. Um, a raz is whenever. You have a card and you put it for sale, and uh, let's say it's a thousand-dollar Mickey Mantle card, and you you put ten slots available, uh, one through ten, for a hundred dollars each. So you have ten buyers basically, or you know if somebody wants to buy more than one slot, you know that can happen too. But ultimately, as the seller, uh, you get your money in, um, and you find somebody uh, that can document randomizing the numbers so they'll randomize the uh the number count from one to ten and if number seven is picked then the purchaser of item number of uh number seven wins the mickey mail card that's worth a thousand dollars four hundred dollars so uh some people love it and i will not necessarily uh you know i definitely don't want to condemn that i mean <laughs> there's some people that just enjoy the heck out of it but uh you know, the house always wins though, right? Like it's not going to be uh, something, it's not like a wise investment. And it's definitely not the way to build a meaningful collection either. But uh, is it to have fun? Is it entertaining? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you can certainly have a lot of fun doing that. And like I said, I wouldn't uh, condemn anybody or look down on anybody who wants to, uh, you know, spend their money that way. But when it comes to firing on all cylinders to build a meaningful collection, probably not the best way to go about it um so uh you know obviously like for me personally i like uh targeting specific cards and going after them and whenever you do being able to find the right card for the right price in the right condition all of that matters all of that matters a hundred percent and when you're able to to check one off the list um it's satisfying and it means a lot more when that card comes in, uh, you know, the mail to you as well, or however you find it, um, as opposed to a card that you might have won that you don't really care a whole lot about, or finding a high dollar card in a pack that's not really too terribly meaningful to you. Like, let's say, for example, you, uh, you get a pack of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, um, 2000 19 tops heritage, okay, and so let's say you pull uh, uh, I don't know a, a Soto or something and yeah, is great but if you don't collect Soto it doesn't matter a whole lot other than hey, this is a fantastic card, I'm going to flip it and again, perfectly fine but you know, not a <laughs> it's not really a, a way to build a meaningful collection um, now certainly you can use that to trade uh, for a card that you want, but that's you know certainly not the most direct way to go about getting what you want either. So, uh, anyways, just a few thoughts tonight um, uh, that you might want to think about. And one of the things I like doing every now and then, uh, when I won't go to bed, even just uh, <laughs> I'll think uh, more times than I care to admit, uh, uh, just like a little bit of a dream list of what I like and what I want. Um, I would love a, a T206 green. Uh, Ty Cobb, and E90-1 Cy Young, because I think those would go well with a couple other cards I have. Um, You know, like a Cracker Jack, uh, Sheila's Joe Jackson, 2001 Bowman Chrome Autograph, uh, Albert Pujols, Refractor. I mean, so, you know, I definitely have some uh, cards, and and certainly they're pie in the sky, uh, to an extent, because they're a lot of those are, like, really pricey. Um, But... It's fun to have like those long term type goals because it's not just about uh, the destination. It truly, truly is about the journey of going to get them, the process, how you get there, how you found them. And, uh, you know, it really makes for some fun stories as well. Let me tell you one thing that, uh, that I've loved about being able to get back some of the cards that I had sold or finding replacements is. The actual story behind them. And I'll give you an example real quick. I just got a card in today. Um, it's a 2000 Skybox uh, Star Rubies Extreme. Now, for those of you who don't know what it is, um, Skybox, they've they made some decent cards, I guess, in the 90s. But, um, you know, it's, it's not uh, the base set. It really is nothing to write home about. It's just a, you know, very drab looking set. But. Um, but the Star Ruby's extreme version um, can also look drab unless it's in the right light, and I'll give you—I'll uh, tell you how that is—and uh, that's actually uh, how I probably have this card in my collection again. So the other day, um, I was looking on eBay and I found uh, one for sale, and uh, I actually had to look at the title. Because the card itself, the picture didn't look like anything at all. (laughs) And that's just one thing I noticed also about, uh, you know, wherever I personally search on eBay, I normally will scroll through the left side with my eyes, the pictures. I rarely read the title until I see a picture that I like. So that's a little tidbit for you sellers out there. Just keep that in mind. Um, But anyway, so this picture, it looked like it was a five cent card. And, you know, believe me, I paid way more than that. Uh, I did not get a deal, <laughs> so to speak on this, but I paid decently for it. But um, anyways, I looked at it closer and I go, huh, I think that's the card numbered f 50. And by the way, y'all, like 90s cards numbered f 50? Significantly harder than uh, 2019 cards f 50. But anyway, so take a look at it. Go, yep, this is the right one. I purchased it and I get it in today. And all these memories started... Uh, rushing back to me about this card so you and let me tell you a little bit about it, by the way um, it's a full bleed card uh, as far as the photography goes uh, but the background is muted it almost looks like a foil until you tilt it in the right light so when you tilt it in the right light um, all these like starbursts happen and like these holographic uh, yeah, like holographic foil stars pop out and It makes it look 3d and everything and it's beautiful when you do that, but only under under light Otherwise, it just looks really drab and so I was talking to my friend Ryan uh, Who's a will Clark super collector. We'll probably have him on at some point uh, on the show, but um, He he was showing me his will Clark today, and he's like man Tanner like yours looks like a lot better than mine like mine just doesn't pop and so I said well hey, man, put your flash on your on your camera when you're taking a picture of it or putting the right light. And so he puts it on and he goes, oh, man, yeah, that's right. It's like, the, it's like a light turned on for the card. You know, like it, it just kind of pops it at you. Uh, but, you know, to go back to the memories I had associated with it, um, the first time that I picked up that card, uh, I remember being excited because I want you all to picture this. This is probably about... If I had to guess, four, four and a half, five years ago, it was me, Holly, Atticus, and uh, Atticus's friend Hunter. And Hunter, by the way, uh, he's, uh, he's an avid watcher of my YouTube channel. So hi, Hunter, if you ever make the, the uh, switch over to listen to the podcast as well. Um, but uh, Hunter was with us also, and we went to American Ninja Warrior to watch it live. So it was like real late at night and we're just standing on the side. and It's really cool because we actually all ended up being on television as well, <laughs> which is kind of fun. So you always love being able to see yourself on television at some point in your life, right? But um, anyway, so uh, you know, between trials, I was like, you know, I'm going to check, uh, check eBay. Sure enough, 2000 Skybox Rubies, Star Rubies Extreme uh, is up for sale. So I buy it. And that's the memory associated with and attached to that card. It's that fun time that I had uh, at American Ninja Warrior with my family and Atticus's friend, Hunter. And uh, one of the things also I remember is that uh, if you all know of uh, American Ninja Warrior, Atticus was uh, uh, training over the, at their gym and uh, he hasn't for a while, but his, uh, his coach was Daniel, uh, and uh, he's the guy with the, with the long, crazy hair. You know, I mean, he's one of the best out there. Great guy, by the way. Just a very, very cool guy. But the main star that really kind of put American Ninja Warrior on the map was Casey Catanzaro. And uh, they called her the Mighty Casey. She was like five foot nothing, you know, real cute girl uh, that did a fantastic job. Um, and so everybody knows her. Uh, there's a, a run that she made that had like, it was millions and millions and millions of views on YouTube. And, uh, she was just kind of America's sweetheart for a while when it came to American Ninja Warrior. Uh, so, uh, it was pretty cool because, uh, as we were there, um, you know, walking off to the side, sure enough is Casey Catanzaro. And so, uh, she comes up and we're like, Hey, can we, uh, uh, get your picture and she goes yeah sure and so she looks at it and she goes oh my gosh you're getting so big and it's like it was uh, it was like we were uh, we were all close friends or family friends or something and the funny thing was is none of us had, had met her before and <laughs> it sounded like she was just all buddy buddy with Atticus so it was great but uh, anyways, all that to say um, you know having this like this cardboard parallel lifestyle in real life and when it intermingles, intermingles with, uh, uh, with real life and the fun events that happen around it, uh, it's so fun. It's so fun because it, you can uh, more vividly recall all of the memories that happen around it. And for me personally, that's always happened, even when I was a kid. And I talked about this a few nights ago with you, um, how uh, you know I remembered the, the bright Saturday morning that I was driving... Uh, or riding in the car with my dad that he was taking us to the house that they're about to buy first time that my folks were becoming uh, homeowners and uh, I had a box of 1989 tops in my lap and some packs of eight men out you know I wouldn't have remembered that drive otherwise you know it's just (laughs) it just wouldn't have uh, been thought in my mind but because of those cards it just made everything so much more vivid for me in uh from a memory perspective and uh so, uh, you know, having that, that 2000, uh, uh, skybox star rubies, uh, I'm sorry. It's a 2000 skybox star rubies extreme, I think is what it's called. So <laughs> it's, it's a mouthful there for sure. Um, but getting that card back again today, uh, made me realize how thankful I was. Number one, that I was able to find another one. Uh, and, uh, number two, uh, to just enjoy the fact that I had memories attached to that card. Uh, And I I always feel grateful whenever I can pick up those cards again after having sold one uh, myself. It would be great if I paid the same amount (laughs) as I did before uh, from four or five years ago. But either way, I'm just grateful I have another one. Um, So for me, uh, that's part of having a meaningful collection, is having cards that have great memories attached to them. And uh, you know, there's so many cards I have in my collection that are like that. Uh, so the perfect intersection for me of a meaningful card in my collection is one that's got a great memory or memories attached to it or a great story. Uh, even if it's like a great story that has to do with uh, um, with trading or how I got it or how I ran into it or what was going on during the time. Uh, you know, All those, if you intersect that with how the card looks who's on the card so for me personally if a card just really pops it's like a beautiful 90s insert or parallel uh, with a great story and it's of Canseco for example yeah y'all that's me you know that's that's a card that I can really get behind and get excited about Um, so when I look at my collection now and I have those cards that might not that might have been the same as I had before, but has so much more of a richer history for me. Yeah, it means so much more now. Um, So I guess what you can, what I'm trying to get to is, you know, and I didn't even really, I wasn't really even thinking about taking, uh, taking it this way, this direction, but um, you know, the cards really, the parameters that you set up, don't even necessarily have to have, you know, certain ranges of years or where the or, or where the player came from, or any of this uh, business at all, you know, it can, it can literally just be uh, fun stories that you have about them. I'll give you another example, uh, you know, that I picked up, uh, I got in the in the mail today, and it's a uh, 1988 score rookie and traded Craig Biggio uh, PSA 10. The card itself, you know, 50 bucks, I think, something like that, 45, 50 bucks, and uh, you know, it's. It's not really a card that like I'm gonna be like overly super hyped about um because I don't really have any any crazy uh personal memories or stories that have to do with that card in specific. But I'll tell you what, I do remember the 88 score rookie and traded set and uh you know the visual was in it, but at the time the hot card was Roberto Alamart Jr. and Mark Grace, uh, if I remember correctly. And I remember <laughs> I remember getting those factory sets with my dad when I was younger. You know, they were supposed to be the investments, right? <laughs> uh, the, the 88 score rookie and trade was supposed to be a hot, hot set. Uh, it came in this little red box, and I think it was booking for $60, 70 $80 at the time. And that was by far probably the most expensive uh, set that I had. It's just you felt like you had fire. You know what I'm saying? Like You had fire when we had that, that set, for me at least. I remember putting those cards and pages in a binder and uh, feeling kind of strange about it. Like, you know, why, why would I want to keep those in a box? Well, that's the, that's the investment side of me is is to keep it in a box as, as it was intended, but I can't enjoy them. So I got to put them in a, in a uh, binder. So I ended up putting them in a binder and just, you know, having fun looking at them and, uh, Now, who knows where that set is now, (laughs) you know? (laughs) It's probably changed hands like 37,000 times since the time that I got rid of it. I don't even remember who I sold it to or when or or how or anything like that. Um, But this is a fun memento to have this card as like the sole single uh, representation of that set Um, and it being Craig Biggio. And so the reason why Biggio... Uh, means a lot to me, is because um, he was the star player when I first came to Houston. And y'all, let me tell you something a little bit about my childhood. Like, I had a rough time uh, coming back, or not coming back, but coming here for the first time. It was a very difficult childhood here to start off with, and uh, you know, baseball was really kind of my main constant, and I really kind of fought the Houston Astros in my head, uh, because that represented pain was uh, Texas and everything that had to do with Texas I was a California kid so I was going to hold fast to the Oakland Athletics and I didn't care about Bagwell or Biggio or any of these other guys uh, but as I uh, as I got to stay here and grew here grew up further here as I uh, found a fantastic church and found amazing friends and ultimately my wife and being able to raise my children here, um, you know the Houston Astros and Craig Biggio—they mean a lot more to me, <laughs> you know. Which this whole thing probably sounds pretty darn corny to a lot of people, but uh, that's kind of where my uh, where my brain goes. But uh, obviously, uh, as the story goes, in the last in the last several years, Craig Biggio makes it to the Hall of Fame, and uh, he is the the epitome, in my opinion, of a truly. Wonderful baseball player that was hard nosed, gritty. He had a, uh, he always represented the Sunshine Kids uh, with that little uh, little sunshine emblem on his hat, and uh, which was, uh, I don't even remember exactly what it was for, but it was, uh, uh, you know, a wonderful cause and, uh, you know, a great player. He stayed with the, the same team for his entire career, which is insane. Who does that? <laughs> Nobody does anymore. That's for an sure. But, um, you know, it's all that, uh, rolled up into, uh, uh, into one card, you know, like the 88 score rookie and trade card, which by the way, aesthetically fantastic. It's orange, <laughs> it's bright orange and, uh, not like 90 score rookie and trade, which I'll have to gush about later because I love that set. Um, But uh, 88 score, rookie and trade. It's an orange card of Craig Biggio on the Astros, like the colors match. PSA 10, perfect example of it. Uh, You know, so I don't know if that's going to be a forever card (laughs) uh, in my collection, but um, I will say this, I'm uh, super happy I have it. And, you know, is it because it's some Hall of Famer? Eh, no, it's not. That's not, it. there's far more to it, but anyway, so uh, I don't know. I really hope that this uh, talk gets you to start thinking about your uh, your collection and uh, how you can build something that's meaningful, and not just that, it's not, a, not necessarily just finding a card that's pie in the sky saying, uh, you know, I want a 52 tops mantle, and that's it. No, I mean, like we're talking like rubber meets the road, figure out how to do it without, you know, obviously, uh, you know, putting your family in jeopardy or, uh, sacrificing family time or anything like that. Uh, find out how you can do it, you know, uh, sell some cards that you might have, start saving and, uh, you know, it definitely can happen, but, uh, most importantly, enjoy the process. Learn to enjoy the process, the journey, um, of building something meaningful. Maybe it's not a 52 tops mantle. Maybe it's, uh, You know, some rare card like a 97 or a 98 uh, EX Essential Credentials uh, of Juan Gonzalez or something like that. That never comes up, but you want to have money and you want to be ready whenever one does pop up. I don't know. There's there's so, so, so many ways to go. And I think that's probably why uh, I get so hyped up about baseball cards and why I'm able to literally pick up my phone each night and talk. To you for a half hour and an hour <laughs> uh without really any uh uh prior notice or anything because I'm so passionate about this stuff and a lot of it is because I have so many memories wrapped up into these and it's not just childhood memories it's memories that I make every single day um with these so uh yeah I mean I'm just uh, very sentimental when it comes to cardboard <laughs> I guess <laughs> but uh anyway so I, I would love to hear from you all as well uh, what kind of collections you have, what you're working on. Uh, You know, if you want suggestions, you know, feel free to reach out to me and ask as well. I mean, I'm here to help. I'm very accessible. Uh, I try to be. It's uh, difficult sometimes, I guess. uh, With this podcast, I'm getting a lot more people uh, writing, so I try to get to everybody as as much as I can. But, uh, you know, sometimes I fail at that, unfortunately, so I apologize. But uh, anyways, yeah. So um before I wrap up, let me just uh, direct you to my uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash tanman baseball fan. Uh episode three of my video series, my Jose Canseco collection, uh will drop possibly tomorrow, probably early next week though. Um the first episode uh showed all of the raw pieces of game used bat material player worn uh nameplate letters and everything like that that I had Jose sign in his kitchen uh, for me to create customs out of. Uh, Episode 2 showed, which dropped uh, last night by the way, uh, showed all of the customs I have in my collection I've already made using those pieces and more uh, for my Kinsego collection. And episode 3 that will either uh, drop tomorrow or early this upcoming week depending on uh, how our schedule is because Akis has the birthday party uh, this weekend and got a bunch of other things going on but that episode will feature for the first time uh, since I got out of super collecting all of my uh, special Consego cards that I've gotten back. Super excited to show those off to you. Like I've been waiting for it y'all. I've been looking forward to uh, sitting in front of a camera and just uh, showing off each and every card uh, it's obviously a sliver of what I had, but I'm extremely grateful and thankful for each one that I have and very proud of what I've built, uh, from, you know, the past year and a half. And, uh, yeah. So please keep an eye out on that. And my last request to you is to please like subscribe and share this podcast. Uh, thank you all. I really, truly hope you have a fantastic weekend. Have a great night.